I was in, like obsessed with painting. Welcome to the Marmalade Show. We are so excited to be here because I am sharing this moment with the incredible Serrano over here. He is coming off of the most incredible night that I have felt personally. Uh, I went to his headline show that he had at the waiting room in London this past weekend, and that room was packed. I've been a handful of times before, and this time really felt different. So whatever you did, whatever water you were you were throwing out there for people, everyone was drinking it like no other. It was a really, really special night. So I'm glad that you're come down from Edinburgh yeah. to do this, which is so exciting. Uh, and I'm really happy that you're here today because you were off for a long journey that yeah. you're about to be on. Which I thought was the drive down from Edinburgh, which took nine hours and was shattering. But actually, yeah. I think New Zealand will top that. Yeah, just just a tad, so. just a tad. <laughs> uh, and just to be in a different place, I think is going to be so cool for you. Yeah. Because what you've shared with me is that your project is relatively new when you think about it, because yeah. you've been just doing it mostly this year of 2022. Yeah. So it's crazy to think how much you've already achieved and what you're already aiming for going into the next year, two years, three years. Uh, and yet you're going for an incredible experience down out to New Zealand, which is going to be magnificent. Yeah, I think um, it feels necessary. I think I need, I spent last, two years ago finishing the music, a year ago releasing the music, this year playing live. And I think I want to do next year writing with a few more live shows and building that but I think I need that inspiration and like that break and kind of moment of clarity almost to just be away from everything again for a bit and focus on that and being with inspiration and thoughts and what I want to write about really and be a full artist it sounds like just just, yeah, just ingrain yourself in it because I have a habit of um over committing I'd say mm. or trying to fit as many things as I can in and then forgetting about my health I think and then it hits and you're like oh man and um, I think that having some time in New Zealand to like de-stress and just um, like that London show is planned since May June and it's been just a lot of thought for a long time mm. and so it's really nice to have played it to be through it to have enjoyed the experience and to kind of put that as like the marker of the end of the year and then have some time to just kind of restart, meet some new people, new artists, new sounds and yeah. Well, I think it's so beautiful that you've intentionally put that in so that you can actually feel the way through what your next, just what the next turn, like the next page is. Mm. When you turn the page, what is the next thing that you're trying to build out? But I want to go backwards. I'm so fascinated of how you've gotten to this point because you've told me that your background is is not specifically as the full artist, but is part of the band in some way, yeah. uh, being the drummer. Yeah. That's like your bread and butter, what you love doing. And I think that that's so fascinating to see because you playing so many other instruments to develop what Serrano is, it just speaks so incredibly on what you're trying to achieve as a full artist. And I, I'm really hope you the best for this New Zealand trip because of that. But I want to go even further back. Sure. 
And I wanna I wanna open it up to for you to start telling me a little bit about who you are as a young person. And is there a moment in time that you can think of that really comes to mind that you remember being creative? What were you doing? What was that moment in time? Or what is a story of a second? Or was there a moment that maybe your parents or a friend or a family member came around you and said, wow, I can't believe that you're doing that. That's so interesting to think of. And I'm, I'm just fascinated to see where it was. Where was the start of the creativity in your world? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you have those little like flashes in your head of like a, a scene from your life. And I think the, the one that sticks out is driving back from France on like a day trip in like an old Ford Mondeo playing like Abba Gold on cassette. And then we had um, Eric Clapton and Bad Love and just like the keys, synth sounds, the guitar solo, the vocals, like the, um, the drums in particular is really capturing my imagination there and and just it felt so exciting um, and like that energy that you get from music which is crazy that's like sound that makes you so like feel so much and um, that really got me into kind of belly drumming so mm. um, I remember having the the Brazil 2002 World Cup shirt and just that wearing that every single day throughout the summer and like belly drumming and my mum saying I'm going to get internal bleeding if I keep doing it um, and then just kind of had that natural inclination for drumming and percussion um, and at school we did a some sort of nativity play or end of year thing I think in primary school and being asked to like I didn't get picked for any of the acting parts and I was like I don't really I, I was quite shy and didn't really want that and then they said oh you guys can be the musicians mm. And then I just got chosen to play the bongo and I got to stand up and do this big solo at one point. And it was like such a cool moment. And I was like, wow, this is, I want to do that more, I guess. And then I started learning the drums the following year, I think, or yeah. Um, and just really enjoyed that. And then I remember forming my first band where I used to jam with my brother back home. Um, but then this, new kid joined and he played a bit of guitar and over summer we hung out and learned Wonderwall and thought it'd be fun to do like an assembly together mm. um, so we were doing like instrumental versions of Wonderwall and like all the hits but with neither of us singing and it would always end with a big drum solo that was in a completely different tempo and uh, just an opportunity for me to like shake my hair that was like a long fringe and everything um, and like the week before we were about to play that first assembly, the music teacher was new and decided to play Wonderwall in the assembly. And we were like, oh, she's still our song. What do we do? So we just played it and then that was that. But that really got me excited by live music and performing. And I ended up sort of drumming throughout that school um, for the various years. So then nativity things and stuff. And then got to secondary school and got into a band, played a lot throughout then mm. and um, when it got to kind of university time they all wanted to focus on applying and I think they'd had what they wanted from music um, but I'd always been the songwriter as well during the time and I started learning guitar and on guitar tabs and things and um, just knew I wanted to keep writing really and enjoyed what it was and learned a bit of production um, so that's when I kind of started learning their instruments and I used uh, from the age of 14 I'd did a paper round basically and 
saved up for two years to get my first dr proper drum kit and then got a, an MPC 1000 and then like a synth and just every time I could afford something new I'd add to my gear and I wanted to have kind of one of everything you might want whether it's mm. a mic or a guitar or um, and that's when I started kind of writing and then the first track that came out on my EP was actually well the first track I wrote for the EP rather was a, a song that I wrote back in 2013 and that kind of eight year process of finishing the EP began <laughs> and had I known maybe I wouldn't have bothered starting it um, but it was a yeah it's a special journey in itself and took me into the sort of university phase of my life and um, yeah felt pretty special so the the show last weekend was the one year anniversary of the EP mm. um, and congratulations so that's a big you. deal so well, I think that the the EP to me releasing that felt sort of doubly special just sharing the music but also being such a big like life goal of mine mm. that I think I felt far more proud of that than getting a degree or finishing school or whatever it is that you might feel it was that was something that took a lot of um resilience I guess to mm -hmm. to to finally sort of feel comfortable sharing it and yeah when you were young were you was your family very creative yeah well I think um, my dad's a fantastic pianist and th having that opportunity to play a piano in the house all the time that really was amazing um, and when I got to the age that you were able to learn an instrument at primary school he, he was very um, like proactive on that mm. and you know I actually wanted to learn guitar to be like Eric Clapton and he was like there's millions of guitarists you need to be a drummer and my granddad on his side um, was a a drummer um, and all his family have been in bands and mm. played throughout Scotland and um, my uncle uh, my dad's brother is also really musical and um, a really great bassist and he used to lend me gear which I still haven't given back um, but it's a long yeah. lens it's a long <laughs> yeah, lens it's on the long lease yeah um, but that whole side of the family in particular is incredibly musical and there's a a lot of um, music throughout there and then my mum always wanted to be an actress and did a lot of performing and has always been creative and very artistic um, so I guess that I always had that as well and she's um, a news reader and a voiceover artist and things so mm. just getting the whole kind of picture of, of that world um, I think was a great great experience to grow up with really I mean that's stunning to be able to not just have your own motivation but it's consistently opening up the space for you to say this is this is what you should be expressing yourself, not telling you how to do it. Yeah. But opening up the space to do that, and I feel that as as we progress within time, I don't know how you feel about it personally, but the 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 more and more that you see as everyone's on a schedule, and do you get that freedom to be a creative person when you're focused on get involved in this as a kid? Your parents set you up for this. You need to do well in school. You need to do all these things so you can get to the next level. But discovering yourself, opening time for that, I feel needs to be so intentional. So it's really great that your parents were able to open that up for you Yeah. in so many ways. As I feel like for me personally, it wasn't that per se. It was in different worlds that I was able to do that. But having that expressive freedom to be able to do that, that's a gift in so many ways to get to the point where you are. And yeah. I know that you know that. 
I think like having a piano in the house, again, that's something that I always I kind of find like more fundamental than a TV in a house, mm. which I think other people, like that's where the living room's situated around. Whereas mm. for me, I think like an, an instrument or a lack of is like makes me more jittery as to like needing to do something. So like whenever I go oh. abroad, I'll always bring my synth with me or something. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also like a sort of, um, kind of like travel anxiety coping mechanism that I felt like when I've traveled abroad by myself like if I'm lonely or I don't have a plan at least I have my instrument and I can kind of get lost and after five minutes of playing some chords or messing with the sound you sort of forget about what you're worried about and, mm. um, but you know having family that were always focused on music whether it's discovering music listening to music writing about music massive speakers in the house to play the music um it feels very much in my dna in that sense and um i think that's something that i i've definitely taken for granted and then it's only when you've seen how other people have grown up without that or maybe grown up in other ways with say the same thing but for sport that you understand the the fortune position to have like someone so passionate about music in your life to guide you and to show you that that's something special to to have basically well you've done uh, you've done such a good job though subconsciously because i know that you're never going to own up to it per se but i'm going to make you own up to it right now <laughs> is that you 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 did say like you you took it you almost take it for granted almost but it's not in the moment that you need to feel that you appreciate it and stuff like that. It's sometimes later in life mm -hmm. that you think about it. And now that you have your entire project, the Serrano brand, what you're trying to do to connect with people over and over again, I 100% think that that is the moment that you are repaying that mm -hmm. incredible just opportunity that you've been consistently having since you were young. And that's through the work that you're doing with your music, outside of your music, that all meshes together. Because it's not about, per se, the exact opportunity that you need to replicate for the next generation or for who you touch with on a singular basis. It's not like your job to now bring a piano everywhere that you go, find a kid, or when you have kids, have make sure that they learn the piano, they learn the drums, the clarinet, whatever that is. But the work that you're doing within your project on sustainability and being focused on... Uh, building a an environment that is supportive, that is connective, that is wanting people to not just give back, to make make the world, I guess, heal in a way, but you're trying to prevent that from the beginning. What is it that you do to be able to spread that word of being environmentally friendly, with your merch, with creating opportunities that is more focused on being carbon neutral or just carbon deficient in so many ways. And how did you get to that point? So I think um, a few things on that. I feel um, there's, a, there's a film called, called Koyana Kwasi, I think it's how you pronounce it. Um, but it's like just a, in fact, it was a, I bought the DVD during lockdown and I thought I've always wanted to watch this and um, was at my girlfriend's parents' house and we'd be like, we're going to watch a film, do you want to join us? And we're like, oh, we'll put this one on. And I'd, I kind of knew how it works, but I didn't quite get that it's like fully uh, instrumental. There's no words. And I think my girlfriend's parents were just sort of expecting a normal film, as it were. 
and sat for two hours of just images and music and <laughs> things. But that tangent aside, um, I've always found something kind of, yeah, deeply like emotively depressing about looking at like landfills and I've always wondered like there must be a limit there. Like just, yeah, the, we have so much stuff. I hate having so much stuff. I feel very conscious of it every time I move between cities and stuff like do I need all of this like could I let it go um you know trying to get like yeah just shed the load of things that you don't need in your life really and um so I think that I've always just wanted to do merch that felt purposeful because I think that um I'm not I find it very hard to ask people for money but I feel like if you're making something that people need um, or certainly would want regardless of if it had the Serrano name on it or not then at least you're giving them something that is otherwise meaningful for them they would they'd want it so I guess that started with my wine bottle when I released white wine which I wanted to do as a way of um, kind of announcing the song in a sort of more creative way and I purposely timed the track to be released in March 2021 I felt like the world was going to open up again a bit more people were going to get to see each other even if it was just outside and things you know the days get longer and I thought if I do a wine bottle then the idea kind of relating to the meaning of the track is that you send it to a friend that you want to hang out with and then you can meet up in the park or whatever and catch up over my glass of wine and just be back together kind of thing um, and then I thought well if I can do it in a way that is you know it's a more sustainable and creative way than just a big heavy glass bottle of wine and a company called Garston Wines paired with me to do so and they do um, flat bottles from re fully recycled plastic um, which saves on space and weight and, and a lot of carbon and so things like transportation you can get far more bottles in a box and it's far lighter to transport and things so it, it just felt like a really nice pairing um, and mm. was a, a kind of great way to kick things off. Um, and then it's just kind of gone from there. And um, again, my girlfriend is massively into sustainability and um, uh, works for an engineering firm and has been looking into or working quite heavily with um, the climate crisis. And mm. um, I've learned so much from her on that that opened my eyes massively to, um, I guess, like everyone's carbon footprints and, and where that might be. And, you know, like how concrete is a huge um, emitter and uh, I just you just kind of take it for granted as a big block of concrete it doesn't really matter and actually like how damaging construction is and how we need to be far more sustainable and so I think that if I'm going to do music which can feel like quite a personal almost selfish pursuit of mine in a way um, then I certainly want to do it in a way that can educate people through art and actually on my this time last year at COP26, I went to that in Glasgow on the day of my EP release um, and saw Brian Eno talk about um, the role of art in music. Mm. And that really changed my perception because I felt like, for a long time I sort of felt like, is, is it worth me doing music? You know, there's plenty of other artists making great music. Um, it feels like maybe this is just for me and, and like, but then, to kind of package the message that the scientists are trying to deliver. I think art is a huge um, pl 
player in that. It's it's it's, and I kind of you know when my girlfriend um, presents her presentations to me, I always say to her, "That's great, but some of these units mean nothing to me, so I don't know if that's a big saving of carbon or not." Like you need to make this super simple and high level mm. that the average person can be like, "Whoa, okay, that's a lot." You know, like comparatively, what does this mean? Um, and so that's where art comes in, and music and making people rally for something and feel something because people they admire feel this way too. So mm. I don't think that excuses me from um, working in other ways that are non-music related to kind of um, be considerate of that. But I do think that actually there's there's purpose to music and, and I guess that's the purpose I'm trying to serve as, as one side of my music is um, whether it's in the songwriting or certainly in the merch and production of things that I can do it in a way that's sustainable and you know with my recent show the idea was to kind of carbon track it and just monitor it to get some data to understand how um, carbon intensive it was and where can I make savings where can everybody make savings um, and could I come up with a blueprint for a tour next year where I can then share that with other artists and say listen if you're going to do a tour this is in my opinion the best way to do it from a carbon point of view and you know it's no more effort it might save you money as well and and that's the hope so I've spoken to various people within the industry on that as well um, and just yeah just to see because I think if no one starts the discussion then it's just on the to-do list that mm. we don't have time for. So can you break that down a little bit more on who's who's the company that you're working with um, for this and what was the relationship how did you start that that relationship over time uh, and what are they providing you slash what are you providing them at the same time because I'm sure it's like a real well-balanced relationship so this has been fairly recent actually in terms of the show um, and that was with Licks magazine um, a guy called Jack that um, we were just talking about discussing the show and getting Licks involved in some way and hoping to kind of do a tour next year with them Um, but they've been working with very recently with a, um, a carbon consulting company um, who have a, like a lot of um, data and want to mm. really hone in on like where the beers come from, where like every person has come from, um, how much energy is used in the process of making the beer and like every drink there and the number of cups used and like like going into so much detail mm. to get really good data. Um, so that's, that's kind of just starting that relationship really, but separate to that, um, I went to, uh, what was it aim connected last year hmm. and met, um, a girl from Ajuna beats and she's the sustainability officer there. Um, and we just had a great discussion. I found her presentation really interesting and, and they've been working on a report with the, yeah, I think it's the Impala report cool. and, um, highlighting all the sort of parts of the industry that you aren't considering like you know of obvious things like vinyl pressing and the, the plastic generated there but also the storage and the weight and the transportation but um you know spotify has to have data centers as well and a lot of that the way that that's presented can be a bit misleading i think um yeah you know what because it's um there's different ways of um like counting carbon and there are things that you can it's a bit like tax avoidance you know you evasion i think is the term but like 
you can stick it somewhere else and then it doesn't count as this. And I feel like that's what's going on with a lot of carbon um, tracking, where you can say you're carbon neutral because you're not counting a hell of a lot of carbon that is actually, you know, kind of yours yeah. to account for. Um, so looking at touring as well and how sustainable that is, and it's interesting at the moment with how artists are burning out and also just can't afford it and having to cancel fundamentally because they can't afford to tour. Mm. But what ways we can work around that as well and give people a really amazing live experience that I think if you can look forward into the future rather than like being nostalgic of the past, you might be able to appreciate like, you know, the ABBA gigs where it's holograms. Um, I know people are like, oh, it's not them. And I, I get that and I'm not not fully sold on it myself maybe, but I do think that sometimes people have a habit, including myself, to be just like skeptical of new things rather than embrace it as something else. Mm. Um, and maybe there's ways of experiencing live music that like, you know, the generations younger than me that haven't grown up with CDs. So don't get why you'd buy one. And, you know, I've just done a cassette tape, which was kind of a nod to the thing that started my music. But mm. I know a lot of people don't own one. So that's, you know, one of the reasons to make it limited. Um, but also, yeah, there will be people that just won't engage with that because of that. But that doesn't mean that the other side of, you know, NFTs and um, virtual shows and things that a, a younger generation will be really excited by because this is their time and that's what they're growing up on. Well, I feel it's that's brilliant. That's so brilliant to be able to flush all that out into something that people can swallow. <clears throat> people that are spending all their days at work worrying about what they're worrying about, what they're getting paid to do, and then they come to a gig. And what do they want to do? They want to sing the songs that they want to sing, that they know, and they want to be with their friends, or they want to see an artist that they're in love with in whatever way it is. But what you do is focus on education all the way around. And I think that's so beautiful to see that in one show, you have done so much to bring all of this together. And if people really follow you and listen to what you're saying, every one of those has a touch point that connects. Um, as I know we've touched on before, that connecting people is, is one of my favorite things. And I think I saw that a lot in my show at the weekend. And I was very grateful to have so many old and new friends there um, and for people that hadn't seen each other or met each other once or twice to see each other again um, and that thing of like after the show and everyone was at the bar and you just see people talking that I know they've only just met or they've met once or twice before and bringing people together like that feels great and the idea that they might hang out again or you know just stay in touch with each other by social media or whatever is really cool um, and I think that those opportunities are, um, that that's what music is for me. It's like a way of bringing people together and raising awareness of things. And so like the t-shirts being for Trek stock and being print on demand is, is um, I wanted to make sure those t-shirts had a design that I like and would wear myself because if I'm not going to put pride in the brand then no one wants that yeah yeah um good and quality. what is what is what's this organization what track is, stop and what do they do like they yeah, have a mission um, don't they behind uh they support young adults with cancer so 24 to 39 year olds um mm. and you know 
they work with a lot of artists to design t-shirts and they've got an amazing collection and I feel very lucky to sit alongside like alphabetically the cure I think I'm next to um you know small name which is small name <laughs> um even if all I can do with my t-shirts is point you to that website to go and buy someone else's I don't care like yeah. frankly I know it's nice to know that you might walk around town and someone would be wearing your t-shirt but with the amount of people in London that's probably quite unlikely anyway yeah um but the fact that they went on the website, saw it was for a good cause, and then thought that's a cool t-shirt by um, Glass Animals or whoever, it's like great. Like, doesn't matter, you know. Um, but then to do the t-shirt with um, like the best quality that you can have, so that it doesn't become a pajama top, but actually a t-shirt that you'd you'd wear with pride. Yeah. Um, and a design that doesn't feel too. Um, too much of a logo and a sales thing and making sure that you know the um, yeah just something that I think is really nice and and the colors that reflect the feeling in my music ultimately Um, but then yeah to to be able to bring people to fundraise without even consciously doing it is great and I think that's just really important and that that musicians and any form of um, well, the person with any sort of influence, I think that you have the ability to ask people for money and to do good things. And that's pretty cool. And I don't have a lot of influence for sure, but the minimal amount of people that do interact, the fact that they are willing to part with their money to support something is amazing because, yeah, um, yeah I think that's, that's a great thing. Can only go from here of yeah. being proactive in the beginning. You don't have to rethink a lot of these things. You can just improve slightly, slightly, slightly with more and more technology. But there's something that you're doing and that you've you've given me a personal invite to mm-hmm. with your putting art on the blockchain. Yeah, the fan part. And I'm so fascinated to know how you've done that in more of an environmentally focused way than say the normal piece of NFT art that is going on the blockchain through Ethereum is the main blockchain service, which if you're familiar with it, it is not not the most friendly to the world. So what have you done to be able to do that in a different lens? So working with Cirque, who use um, Alluvio, which is a more sustainable um, focused uh, blockchain and um, them and Serenade both use that one. Um, I believe so um, that was it was a big decision and I was I was like is this the right thing to do at all because sometimes I do just think the best thing is just not to do anything like Mm. from a like um, my girlfriend and I were talking about going away and we thought we'd get a go for a trip but we didn't want to fly so we thought well where can we go on the Eurostar and we were deciding and we'd kind of been to some of the places and I was like do you know what like I'd rather just not limit myself to the Eurostar and end up being forced to go to somewhere I don't really want to go to. I think it'd be better just not to go than to even bother with a more sustainable transport method to go somewhere I don't want to go. Mm. Um, and so I guess that that's always a question. Like, should I do merch? Should, how many do I print? Like, what do you want? And limiting those NFTs certainly to you know, 150 um, is one way of just at least reducing the, the, the emissions in that process um, and using a more sustainable blockchain. Um, and I think that also the the space that it provides me 
Um, ultimately, the, the aim of that was to create a, a fan pass, essentially, which means um, minting the artwork of the gig, which was a one-year anniversary celebration of my EP, and a way to reward everybody that's investing in me at this stage and helping me sell out that show, each having their own personal NFT that allows me to know everybody that was there that night personally and to reward them in really fun ways like if I get booked for some exciting festivals then I want to do warm-up shows and anyone just shows their NFT at the door and they're in for free um, uh, say anniversary shows I, I love the idea that in say 30 years time or whatever it, you know an artist that it may not be me but to have done this to prove what's possible Imagine if Radiohead did a did an NFT when they were in, playing their first show and then they did an anniversary show now mm. and they brought back everyone that had been at that in that room 30 years ago and you're just like, hey, I remember you. Like To connect people again like that um, was kind of like a big motivator there that you can, you can always have that community there. Um, but within that community and within the sort of the drops, they call it, um, you can share whatever you like, and that can be things like the study from the show mm. of the carbon and a way to educate the people um, that were there and let them understand it, make them consider their choices with coming to the show, um, how they got there, um, what they consumed, you know, be able to share links to merch there and ways of being able to, um, you know, order T-shirts that are printed on the demand rather than me having to stock them and thing so it's it's still a hard space to get right and I don't think I know enough about that um to fully um to fully know how to approach it sustainably but I think ultimately if that is the beginning of my kind of officially documented community then it's the beginning of my space to share these things with people so I want to I want to move a little bit into something totally different can you tell me a story of something or something that you love doing outside of music, outside of being creative and what it can be something else creative. But if I wanted to ask you as the person, what do you like doing for fun? Or what is something fun that you enjoy doing just because of it with no strings or whatever it is? What is that? Or multiple things. It's interesting you ask because I think I'm so... Uh, engulfed in my project sometimes but I think that the project now gets to explore so many more areas than I felt like it ever used to I think I was so focused previously on just finishing the music and it didn't really look beyond that um, and the beauty of having it released is that that I have like a, a Spotify Apple music page whatever and a, an artist page on Instagram and things and that lends itself to being able to now explore things like NFTs. And um, I guess just, I think a caveat would be that um, I actually wouldn't say I'm a lover of tech. I'm quite resistant. Uh, I don't like giving your fingerprint, your face and all that stuff. But mm. I was so curious about why anyone's buying this JPEG thing for 20 grand or whatever the ape was that time. And like, just wanting to understand it and understand people's thoughts behind it and I think that um, one well I studied maths and philosophy and philosophy is definitely an area that I find just really interesting and very 
um, inspirational for music and, and song concepts and thoughts and um, uh, one of my best mates is like a, a behavioral scientist and um, nudges and how you can get people to do things I find really interesting and there's a really good podcast that I've been listening to called Nudge um, talking about like um, Julius Caesar and how he became so infamous um, mm. if that's the right word or just famous I don't know I think infamous but um, and like techniques that he used and I, I just find that really exciting because I don't think I've um, definitely haven't nailed a lot of things and I think that would be the other caveat I'm certainly no expert on this stuff but I'm trying to learn and I think that I'm I've accepted to stop being or stop striving for this perfection in my head because things turn out differently um, as I saw with my show to the the image that you might have in your head of how these are going to be and the important thing is to like look longer term and not um, not to make it about this one moment and and let it be part of a, a journey of learning um, mm. and so with with putting on the show I learned so much that I, I would do differently next time for example but um, knowing by just trying these things and seeing what I can understand and learn from that's a, a really cool um, way of learning and and thinking of what to do next and how to do those things so I think just in general that those kind of creative elements that I can build back into my music is probably a pastime of mine that mm. feels like still music focused mm. um, but I think that that side of um, behavioral science and just understanding ways in which you can make small changes that change people quite um, significantly is amazing um, and so I think that's maybe one area of interest of mine um, in terms of reading that listening to podcasts on that and just talking about it with my mate um, I was listening to one on Jose Mourinho yesterday mm. and things that it's so funny because it feels like a Trojan horse that um, the way the media reacted to the way he did things was exactly how he wanted it to be and when they talk about that on the podcast they talk about how they analyse his behaviours and um, things like calling out the team sheet that they'll be playing against I think it was against Barcelona in the Champions League and giving away his own team sheet just kind of calling their bluff really and saying we're not it's like how to instill confidence in his team um, and creating this perception of like we're the we're so unlucky against the ref to make this made up vendetta against Chelsea to the point that like refs feel that they can't not give a penalty because Chelsea always get hard done by and just such a manipulative way of doing things but in, in kind of a clever way and I think mm. maybe um, yeah so I, I just find that fascinating and, and Julius Caesar would um, like sleep uh, in the army field the battlefield with his men to show that he too was one of them and not bigger than them he he got given the most prestigious honour you could get at the time um, I can't remember what it's called uh, but it's like the the best thing you could best award you could ever have bigger than like a Grammy or whatever mm. Nobel Prize and he turned it down because the only thing bigger than accepting one is to turn it down <laughs> <laughs> and it's that kind of thing and what that says to the people and um, you know paying your workers fairly and 
I think that builds more loyalty and trust. And I think that's my general approach, I would say, with the people I work with and making sure that I try and, um, you know, when I've had like session players in or um, like my mates that take photos, like, yes, they're doing favors as friends, but they're also creatives and deserve to be paid too. So acknowledge that and don't take it for granted. And, and even if that makes less money for me, if it keeps people feeling um, valued and that they're part of something that I'm building then I think that you get a lot more back from them um, and I think that that's just really important that you you know I tried to make sure I message everyone I knew personally at the show to thank them personally for coming because yeah. it's easy to copy and paste and send a message but actually when you do send them a message and say it was really special to play this track because I remember playing you the demo mm. when we drove around Oxford that night and they mm. know the one I'm talking about whatever or they feel so connected with it and I think um, going back to the show the sort of reaction I've had from it the wasn't what I was expecting at all and I think initially that was um, sort of su surprising in a way but most people's comments um, have been that or I guess I thought I would inject them with loads of energy at the beginning with um, a really electronic first half. Obviously the, the sound at points kind of let me down a little bit, but I actually realised that, that that maybe wasn't what people wanted, um, but what people did take away was how much uh, it moved them and that they felt quite emotional watching me play some of the songs and I didn't expect that to be their reaction or for them to maybe care to that extent and I think that's really nice to be able to reflect on and think that there's a lot of people in that room that genuinely have connected or, or care with the music and, and me really and from that perspective and that's a very fortunate thing to have so mm. while I maybe was initially had a different expectation of what I thought the performance would feel like and be like I think when I reevaluate those things and you can come away from that you can think oh wow that's that's cool so nice um, I think that was a slight tangent to your question but no but I wrap everything together into one word learning you you want to be a lifelong learner from what I gather from getting to know you is that every moment of your life is not about the success the the oh I've done this I've done that but it's about experiences and learning from those and then listening to other people's experiences that are at their pinnacle of whatever that is from Julius Caesar to Jose Mourinho. <laughs> what a comparison. Uh, and understanding how small, minute points in all of their thinking you can learn from. Uh, which I think I connect with on, a, on an astronomical level that you probably don't even know is that that is what I consistently do on a daily basis is to soak in stories soak in experiences decision making why people do what they do and finding the depth within mm. that of understanding that yes on the surface you may see it this way but in reality it's all of these steps as you've kind of just said with jose Mourinho being a manager of a football club what that meant for him was bigger than just the one game that they were having. The one match where the players were coming on the field, that was not what he was thinking about. He was thinking about every single thing that was going on in that moment. And it's so fascinating that you relate that back right to your gig because as an audience member, 
it was great just to see you on stage in that in that way but at the same time, being able to for you to think through millions of things that you're comparing to all these other stories that you've heard, that you take the time to understand all that stuff. Most people say, you know, what do I do for fun? I cook, or I go play football, or that, that was one of my thoughts. Was or I go cycle, you know, like for fun and like for that. I think that yes, there's time for that, and and there's so much things that you can do, but. I think for you to just dive into and say in what I do for fun is is learn and build philosophy around it and and take what you know as you grow up to to be in that case I think that's so deep and to share who you are and I and that's why I can see you spreading your joy spreading your mission and spreading your passion through your stories to so many people whether they relate directly with the electronic world that you're kind of in doesn't matter because there's so much more to who you are within there and i think that that is so beautiful that you thoroughly live it on a on a daily basis uh so i want to share that with you thank you that it's not an easy thing to open up to so i appreciate that i think that's really great uh serrano you are a pleasure thank you very much you are doing some incredible 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 things and just to see where you're going to go from here is going to be astronomical. So you need to follow right now everything that he's doing because you need to jump on board what this express train is going towards. Uh, he is really being a trailblazer in what the next generation of artists are trying to do. This is Serrano. Enjoy- hope you enjoyed this episode of The Marmalade Show. So we are here with Delaney at Raw Material in South London, close to Brixton, in between Brixton and Stockwell. You do some amazing things in this place, but this is a relatively new place to you on a consistent basis that you've been a part of. And I find it so incredible of your story of how you've kind of gotten connected to this because knowing you as a person, as I've gotten to know over... A short period of time but it kind of yeah feels like a long period of time <laughs> very true yeah because we both come from the states we both have moved here for many different reasons but what i really get so much from you is how much that you want to give mm. you are a consistent giver you want to be able to connect similar to what we chatted about with serrano is connecting as many people as possible but what you do is you want to be able to give on a consistent level and i i worship what you do on a basis because to have that internally is not an easy thing so i just wanted you to kind of start by talking about what this place means to you Mm. what was there a moment in time that kind of flipped that you thought i i have to be a part of this in what they do and what was that what Mm. was that moment for you gosh well first off you're far too kind (laughs) you hype me up way too much all the time um but it's funny yeah my story with raw materials it starts from a place where i never really thought i'd be working here necessarily but um on the arts management course that i did through goldsmiths they took us here as kind of one of our field trips where they were showing us different local places that do great community work um and i always knew that that was something that i cared about and something that i was intrigued by but i remember coming here and it was just so visceral 
it was like the people who work here were just alive with the passion that they had mm. and they were excited to like they did a stupid little uh keyboarding session with us where we were trying to put together a song of our own and none of us knew what we were doing we're arts <laughs> managers for a reason we're not we're not meant to be musicians um but even just in the way that they were instructing us and just you could tell that they were super passionate about what they were doing um and i remember following up with the people afterwards and just being like i would love to hear more about how you've been able to create this establishment and how you're able to get people through the door and where you get funding and because I feel like it clicked for me when I met these guys that this was something this was an initiative that I cared about for so long but I think part of my pathway with arts management was trying to figure out how to logistically make that work mm. and clearly these guys are doing it yeah um so I remember sitting down with Nas uh Nas is amazing if you ever end up coming back to the space you have to meet him he's amazing um and yeah, he just like very graciously spilled his guts on everything that this place means to him mm. and, you know, how it's worked out and the way that they do things. Um, and at the time, I remember I was, this was really right pre-pandemic, like probably February, if not beginning of March 2020. Mm. So I already knew that I'd be going home at this point. Uh, and I remember at the time, just Part, part of the reason I related to this place so much was just that I felt that this was such a need in the hometown that I grew up in. Mm. Um, I have a handful of friends that are musicians, but very amateur musicians. You know, they're the, the SoundCloud rapper types or the very DIY do-it-yourself music types where they've just done everything that they've needed to do on their own computer in their own time by themselves um, with very little col collaboration. Um, and even though, you know, we live in a musical environment, like Manchester, Connecticut, where I grew up, there's definitely loads of musicians. Didn't feel like there was necessarily any place where they could come together and knowledge share or use each other's resources. And, you know, mm. some people were moving up in certain places, but maybe more in a more legitimate way, quote unquote. Uh, whereas others were just doing it by themselves in their bedrooms. Equally amazing, but no one's having conversation here. And it was just obvious that it would have been I think about one of my friends who just like the trials and tribulations he's had and trying to build a music career for himself. I'm like, well, imagine if you literally just were talking to maybe even just three people who were going through the same things mm. and what that might have done for you at like a super early age. Uh, which, even just building the confidence at the beginning totally. gotcha. to know that you're on the right path of thinking. Totally. Uh, and that's one of the things that I felt this place does so well is that, you know, it, you're getting really young people through the door, even just at the thought of potentially wanting to do music, which is what I think is really important because mm. uh, you're catching people right as that passion's there without any of that doubt. Um, so, yeah, basically Nas just told me everything that I could have wanted to know and answered all my questions. And I remember at the time going home being like, oh, my God, I'm going to start Raw Materials in Connecticut. <sighs> and I was like, I went home with that being my uh, kind of like lockdown covid pipe dream <laughs> um, yeah uh and then you know life was life and obviously not much could happen during covid mm. um not even that i had the resources to do it in the first place but i just was so inspired and yeah came back to london and again life was life for a very long time built gained, gained some more skills worked with so far and mm -hmm. uh and then all of a sudden i saw that they were hiring for someone to just come in and manage their live music space and i knew i also work 
in the charitable sector and given that these guys are a mental health charity and they do a lot of youth mentorship stuff and everything, uh, I was already trying to combine my two worlds of charitable work and live music and this was just the perfect marriage of it all. And again, with people that I just was already so inspired by and mm. I knew were such passionate and kind people. So I'm just, I feel very fortunate that they hired me. <laughs> Is there a moment in time that just sticks out to you while being in this space that you just think about consistently or it just is seared in your head of why you're here? I remember meeting someone who's kind of come up through the space and uh, now just hangs around here all the time and it kind of clicked with me. It, it Seeing him and meeting him and understanding his relationship to Nas and all the other staff members and to the workshops that go on and everything, uh, it resonated with the way that so many other people within this space see it you know mm. i think he was the first person that i met and i was like like you channel everything that this space is um and part of what you were saying before is so true in the sense that so many people just feel like they belong here like this is a second home in a lot of ways and you can so tell that with this individual that's how he feels mm. he feels so connected to the people um and that in particular like i think what's super super unique about this place is just the connection personally that each individual has to each student I mean they don't even really call them students they're basically just friends that come in and play music and mm. jam out together and everything like that but yeah the mentorship that happens is on a super super personal level mm. it's not like facilitator to student it's it's a genuine want and care to like show people what you've been working on and to help someone else like get something out in the studio and stuff like that um and yeah, this individual in particular, you could tell that like at times he's just like trailing along beside everyone else and he just wants to be at some, like attached by someone's hip. Um, but then also like he's super keen to just help out in any way he could. Mm. Like I walked into the space, he had no clue who I was. And yet here he was like, what can I help you with? I think I was setting up for an event and he ended up spending the next half hour just like gi giving time, helping me set up and dragging mm. things from random closets and stuff like that. Um, so again, you can tell that it just rubs off and that this is truly his second home, that wow. he was just wanting to be here just for the sake of being here, even though there wasn't a workshop going on and there wasn't, it's not like he was doing anything necessarily, but, mm. um, he's come to care for the space, which is something that was 100% a common thread between all the people that I've met in this space, but I don't mm. think I recognized it until I met him. Mm. That energy can just spread so easily. Mm if you want it to, it warms my heart. Like for you to just share like this one individual, it is a second home mm. to this person. That, I know what that means. I know what that means in so many ways of where you feel comfortable, even more comfortable sometimes than, than your home because the energy that's created in the space totally. and how you almost look forward to the, your day to end so that you can get to that space or whatever it is whenever you come. I think that's so beautiful and that even, you've already had that connection. Totally. I mean, I think of, uh, like, obviously this is an individual that still is actively working within the space now, but uh, we've had a few artists that come back who have come up through the space who are now either So Far artists. The last So Far show we did featured someone who had 
worked here previously not worked here but you know yeah. done workshops and mentorship schemes here um and you can just tell like they come in and they're like wow like oh this space has changed so much and uh i don't know if you're familiar with the band wulu but he recently came mm. and did a gig with his band um and yeah just the gratitude that he has for this place and the people like he's at the point now he's such an up-and-coming artist there's no need for him to come and like do basically like a charity show for us uh but yeah he cares so much just about coming back to support this because he knows it will support other young people to get mm. him to the point that he's at now um so yeah it just fosters amazing community and also really mm. healthy relationships within a music industry that's oftentimes not that <laughs> healthy or yeah. uh you know it just doesn't treat people the way it needs to be treated so i think it sets mm. really good foundational roots both in a musical sense, but also in a way that we should be working interpersonally within the music industry. That's saying a lot for for a small space that hopefully will explode thousands more people through the mm. doors here over the course of time. And when you multiply the people who come here on a regular basis, who they touch on a daily basis, hopefully that is continuing to spread even further. So mm. what is done here is an incredible piece of work from what I know. I need to come back more often. You do. I need to make it all happen <laughs> on like, need to come to a workshop, need to get involved in some of the mentorship. And I know I've chatted with you and to Amy about how more of people who are still trying to figure out how they can continue to make a difference, uh, giving them opportunities even more to do that is so incredible is that there's an endless amount of opportunities here. Totally. And I love that. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. As even if you don't necessarily want to get involved from uh, the learning point of view, we more than welcome anyone to come in and just use the facility and the space to be able to conduct your own workshops. And so don't feel it needs to be under the, the raw materials umbrella because the, the umbrella is so wide. Love that. Well, thank you so very much. <laughs> thank you for inviting us into this incredible space. Uh, and I can't wait to see how this blossoms for you personally, but also how you continue to make an impact in this space and raw materials. I think it's so great. So thank you, Delaney, so oh, much. Thank you. You're too kind. <laughs>